the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you. Find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a brand new series called The Faith That's Based on the Book of Titus. It's a short letter from the Apostle Paul, only three chapters long, that you can read in about five minutes. And it is full of great truths. Pastor Sean suggests that in Titus, we're going to understand the whys of life. And with that, we can change our daily habits to help us focus more on spiritual growth. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today, it's part one of the message called Understanding the Why. Pastor Sean starts in Titus chapter one. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. Well, we're starting a series on the book of Titus, okay, Paul's letter to Titus, okay, and we're going to begin, and it's called The Faith. And as I was getting ready, there was uh, something Lori and I did recently that I thought kind of illustrated a pretty important point related to Titus. This summer, all our kids, okay, we have two children and they're both married, so when I talk about our kids, I'm talking about our kids and our kids-in-law, all right? All four of them went to and worked at Epic Week, our youth camp. And so we had the four of them at Epic Week, and then remember we had all kinds of other leaders at Epic Week. We had the kids' camp that went along, so there were all those leaders. During that week, we have real-life kids' camp, where we take kids from the inner city, and at no charge to them, we put on an awesome experience for them so they can experience things and experience the love of Jesus. So all those camps are happening. It's like all of River City's at camp that week. Lori and I stepped up and said, okay, we're, go- we're going to camp too. And we had what we call Yaya and Pops camp. Yaya and Pops camp. Our four grandkids are five and a half, at the time, they get five and a half, uh, four, and two two-year-olds. And we're going to take them out, and we're going to have Yaya and Pops camp. And so we, we did it right, and we had a blast. It was awesome. Let me show you some of the stuff we did. First, there you see, because it's not camp if you don't get swag. Those are their swag bags. They're Yaya and Pops swag bags, and it was f- filled with camp gear that was ready for gear. This was right after orientation, by the way. You need to know that. And no, I'm not kidding. They had Bible verse they had to memorize throughout the week. They had orientation. They had the whole thing. Okay, next picture. There they are. Those are their Yaya and Pops licensed sunglasses. Shh, don't tell them they're not actually licensed. Those are dollar store. But the point is, they were in their swag bag. And then, of course, here are their Yaya Pops uh, shirts while they were out on the trail. Okay, we had to be careful on the trail. The trail couldn't be too far but because the little ones would go crazy on me. But uh, we had an absolute blast. We had an experience. They did all kinds of Each day there were different activities. There were. There were different positions. There was the prayer leader. There was the kitchen helper. There, all the, we did camp, right? Now let me tell you something. I've been a youth pastor. I've taken hundreds of kids to camp. The end of day one I realized this is a whole new game. Lori and I were dead. We are not in that kind of shape anymore. And I'm not talking about youth camp because youth camp is one kind of condition. Two-year-olds at youth camps, a whole different deal. They, they, 
it's like a psychological torment that they do on purpose. And they, they can stretch you and test you. And we absolutely are crazy about our grandkids. We had a blast. But at the end of day one, we're like, oh, my gosh. Our preschool people, give it up for our preschool people. You guys are awesome. You must take some sort of super energy pill or something. Because, yeah, no, we were, uh, we, we were dead. At the end of day two, it, you know, it's just you're kind of now, now it's kind of a punchy sort of feeling. And we literally started designing the T-shirts for next year because we have a new name for the camp. The camp will be called What Were We Thinking Camp, okay? Because we're going to do it every year, okay? We're in, all right? But, man, we were exhausted. So by the end of the week, and, and you need to know, Everybody had fun. It was all smiles. It was a blast, but we were dead. So their parents come home. Their parents were at youth camp all week, and some people go, oh, well, they were on vacation. They must have been fresh. And re- yeah, no, you've never been to youth camp. So they're dragging, but thankfully they were very happy to see their kids because we were like, bye-bye, bye-bye. Hey, you guys want to stay for dinner? Oh, no, no, no. We were like, wow. We were wrung out. It was great. But we're not in that kind of shape anymore. And at times like that, here's the, here's the secret. Here's the key. You have to remember why you're doing what you're doing. Because that first night when that fatigue hit, and then the second night, it was like, oh, my gosh, and we got three more of these? Are you kidding me? You, that's the time when you got to stop, and you better remember why. Why are we doing Yaya and Pop's camp? Or why do we do we love, We spend lots of time with our grandkids. We invest in them. See, the why is what keeps you going. The what might be different things. The why is what is so critical. The why behind Yaya and Pop's camp, behind the individual things we do with the kids, the time we spend with our grandkids, is because we have a vision of a person, an adult, that our grandkids will become. We envision grandkids who passionately love Jesus, just like our kids do who love Jesus and who, who want to find his purpose for their lives and who understand how much he loves them. That's why. We, we have a vision of kids who absolutely love their family. And you, they know their family's not perfect, but they love hanging around their family. They understand how to do conflict. They understand how to deal with issues. That's the vision. And we have a vision of young adults one day who love the church. You know, a lot of young adults are, are saying, I don't want anything to do with the church. Well, we don't want to be that kind of church. We don't want to be that kind of family. We want our kids to go, no, the church isn't perfect. I don't expect the church to be perfect. It's people. But we want a church. We want to be a part of the church because these people love us and we help each other grow and we follow Jesus together and that's who we are. That's the vision. That's the why of Yaya and Pops Camp. And see, if you lose sight of the why, everything falls apart because you're all, no matter what you do, you're going to run into stuff that's hard. You're going to run into things that challenge you that are difficult. And I think that's what Paul is writing for Titus. He's going to explain the why, helping Titus to understand the why. And it's interesting, and I want you to hear this. It's not just the why of the letter. It's the why of Paul's ministry. I want to suggest it's the why of Titus's ministry. It's the why of the church in many ways. And that's what he's going to look at at Titus chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Titus 1. This was written first century A.D., about mid-60s mid 60s 64 and again they're estimating when the book was written it's written to titus who was a greek convert to the faith and a disciple of paul a close valued disciple of paul and he became a pastor and paul begins by explaining the why and here's what he says to titus he introduces 
himself. Now, Titus knows him, but he introduces his letters this way, and you're going to see it's important. He says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Why does he start all his letters? Because he always does that. Why is this important? Well, because what he's wanting to let him know is this isn't just Paul, some guy shooting opinions. This is Paul, a servant of God. Remember who I am. And for Paul, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is really important. Because not only is he saying, I, Paul, am a servant of God, but he's saying, you, Titus, you're a servant of God. Titus wasn't necessarily a pastor, but he's an, uh, an apostle, but he's a pastor. And I think that's important in the context of the church that we remember that. Okay, when you come here on weekends, you're not just going, well, you know, I hope I get the, I hope I get the chills that Jonathan and Will were talking about, or, and if I don't, I'm going to go to some other church. I hope you're not like, well, if I like Sean's opinion, then I'm listening, but if not, I don't. I hope you understand that I am, I am Sean, a servant of God. Okay, it's, it's not me. I'm a servant of God. And, and it's not just me. You are here. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a part of the fellowship, part of the faith, you are a servant of God. We come as servants of God. We don't come as a bunch of free agents who, well, if we like the program, we can stay, or if we don't, we don't. We don't come as consumers. Well, I hope the, I hope the show is good. I hope the, the, I like the music. I hope Sean's talk isn't too dull. You know, that's, if we come with that kind of mindset, we're forgetting, wait a minute, no, no, no. When we come, we are a servant of God and an apostle or a pastor or a leader a minister, a parent for Jesus Christ. We all have different roles, but we all are servants of God and servants of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And it changes the way we are when we gather, doesn't it? It it changes how we engage together. He's also reminding them of his authority. It's not just, well, I'm Paul, and since I'm really smart, you better do what I say. It's, no, no, I'm giving you something from God. I'm his representative. And, and when I come before you, I'm going to do my very best to bring everything I bring from the Word of God. So it's not just Sean's opinion versus this one's opinion or that one's opinion. No, you and I together. It's not your opinion. It's not my opinion. We are going to look at the Word of God and we're going to say, this is what the Word of God says. And there's authority in it because the Word of God says it. And that's how we approach the Scriptures. So he introduces himself and says, who I am, and this is the why. Why the letter? Why even? But what's interesting, he doesn't just say the letter. I'm a servant and an apostle for the sake of the faith. Not just the, le- the letter isn't just for the sake of the faith. He is for the sake of the faith. An apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life. Note these phrases. They're very important. The sake of the faith, knowledge of the truth, Hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Look, and at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. That's a mouthful. But he's saying, that's the why. And here's to whom? To Titus, my true child in the common faith. You see, Paul's father heart. Titus was likely a convert that he brought to the Lord with that phrase. You see his pastor's heart for the people, but you also see his father's heart. My true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete. It's interesting. We we don't actually have a record like a Paul in Crete, but this phrase tells us Paul was at Crete in some point. He was with Titus. 
This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might, and this is a key phrase that's going to kind of guide our conversation, so pay attention, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Put what remained in order and appoint elders. We'll talk about elders more next week, but we're going to talk about that putting into order. Let me pray for us real quickly. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that we would hear. And I pray that we would come as servants of the living God, not as free agents, not as people who will kind of take what we want and leave what we don't want. Help us to come as sons and daughters of the King, as servants of the living God, surrendered and submitted to your leadership and direction as you speak to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Understanding the Why. It's in the series The Faith, based on the book of Titus, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, Here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to the message, Understanding the Why. This is Reaching for Real Life. So he shares all these things. Now remember, he says to put what remained into order. That's an interesting phrase. Put what remained of what? So Paul and Titus had obviously been together in Crete. Well, remember, in Acts chapter 2, they tell on the day of Pentecost, remember, the Spirit fell, people hear them, and it describes people from different parts of the world, Jews who had gone back to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. Well, one of the places that they had come from was Crete. There were Jews who lived in Crete who had traveled back to Jerusalem for the Passover. And then they were a part of the day of Pentecost. Remember what the Scripture says? Spirit came. They were filled with the Spirit. And then Peter preaches his incredible sermon. 3,000 people hear the message of Jesus and come to faith in Christ and are baptized and accept the faith. And what do they do after that? After all the dust settles, they go home. So some of these Christians, these new Christians, are in Crete, along with ones that Paul and Titus probably led to the Lord when they were ministering there in Crete. And so there's these people, believers, who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, who are getting together in whatever way they know how, but something of their fellowship, of their faith, needs to be put into order. That's the assignments. That's what he's talking about. And here's a principle that I think is loud and clear through what Paul just wrote, when we just read, that I want us to grab onto. Here's the main point this morning. Write it down. 
It is not enough for new believers to be born. They also have to grow. That was the assignment that Titus was given. That was the assignment that was given to the church. That's what Paul was going to prepare him and equip him for in this letter. That's what these elders were going to be about. It's not enough for new believers to be born. They also have to grow. They have to grow. He described this. He said it is for the faith of the elect, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. That's an interesting phrase. It really refers to those who, whom God has chosen. Those whom God has chosen, the elect. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 tells us something about these elect. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Look what he chose us for. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In other words, we are becoming something. We are becoming something. We are becoming, that we should become holy and blameless, that we should be people. That's the point of who these elect, what they were chosen for. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, and in this phrase we can obviously infer, and daughters, sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He predestined us for adoption to himself. In other words, his destiny before creation, his intention for us was that we would be adopted into the family through Jesus Christ as sons and daughters for the, according to the purpose of his will. That's when we talk about the elect, that's what we're talking about. Those who are chosen, understand something. This is a group of people who are becoming something. And I want to be real clear because I think there's some teaching that contradicts a whole lot of scripture if we're not careful. Some people have tried to suggest that that elect is a list of names. That, okay, before, before creation, God had a list of names. These ones are going to be chosen, and they're going to become Christ followers, and they're going to have eternal life. And this, everyone else is created for the purpose of wrath. And they are going to be, they're, they're going to experience wrath, and there's nothing they can do about it. That isn't consistent, I don't believe at all, with the teaching of Scripture. I believe when it says he predestined us, what he's talking about is mankind, all of us, are predestined for something. That destiny is fulfilled by the, as many as received him, from, 1 John, or from John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. By the whosoever will, if you will, of Scripture. That's who fulfills the destiny. So they become, it is an invitation to all. Those who, in faith, accept that invitation and turn to him are the ones who fulfill that destiny. That's who the elect are, those who fulfill what they were chosen for it's really important when you understand that this is these are a group of people who are to become something that's critical for us to understand because the mission of the church the mission of the gospel is not to make converts let me say that again the mission of the church is not to make converts the mission is to make disciples and those are two very different things and understand disciples are always converts in other words, there was a point where they converted from they were doing their own thing, they were calling the shots in their life, they were confronted with Jesus, his offer of eternal life, and they turned from their way to his way. That's the conversion, if you will. So disciples are always converts. But converts are not always disciples because understanding that this is not an end, this turning to Christ is not an end. If you think it's an end, okay, it's now all done, I'm a convert, and now I'm kind of just going to live a cleaned up version of my old life, and, and man, hang on till eternity. You don't understand discipleship. Discipleship is that act of becoming, of becoming more like Jesus. 
being conformed to the image of Jesus. It's what this whole thing was for. It's what we were created for. And that's what those first few verses were talking about, those four key areas of growth. Paul focuses on four areas that each one of us needs to grow, and I want to really quickly go through those this morning. Okay, first, number one, disciples must grow in the faith. Remember he said, the reason for my apostleship and for what I'm doing and even for the church is that we would grow in the faith. Grow in the faith. This, that's a word. The word faith has been thrown around and has been beaten up a whole lot, but it, it's fundamentally, remember what Hebrews chapter 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is this understanding of something bigger, and it is how we come to Christ, faith. Look what Paul wrote to Galatians, the Galatians in uh, Galatians 3, beginning at verse 1. These people had accepted Christ by faith. They'd come to know him, but now they were trying to walk out and live by somehow in their own strength fulfilling the obligations of the law. And he's not, he's not subtle in his message about that. Beginning at verse 1, he says, You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Faith. They're trying to go back to the works of the law, saying, no, no, you've got to live the works of the law to be saved. He's like, no, 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 you've got to live the life of faith. Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And then he quotes, he says, so also Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand that. Understand then that those who have faith are the children of Abraham. See, Abraham believed. He trusted God. He began to follow because he heard the word of God and believed he was who he was and that he could do what he said he could do. That's where salvation begins in this idea of belief. And he says, understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who have faith. It's where our salvation begins. Putting our faith in Jesus. Recognizing that sin has separated us from him. His death on the cross made a way for us to be forgiven. And our life is found in surrendering our leadership and direction of our lives to him. See, he says, understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. I, I, I'm afraid this, this word, have, is sometimes lost. Not those who had faith those who have faith. I think sometimes we think, well, I said the sinner's prayer, I went up, I let someone pray for me, so I profess my faith in Jesus, and I meant it, but now I'm just kind of going to live and make my way. We've we got to understand, faith is something that changes everything. It's a different way of looking at the world. Faith is that a way of seeing things that says God is real. He is present. His word is true. And I trust him. And that, that means it affects our decisions. It affects everything that we do. Faith transforms everything. It's not enough to say, I trusted him for my salvation. No, the fact is, God is real. He is present. And what that means is anything is possible. See, as people and followers of God, faith changes how we approach everything. You know, we talk about being a disciple. It really means simply 
listen for his voice and do what he says. That's how you become a disciple. That's how you grow in Christ. Listen for his voice through the word of God and then do what he says. Well, think about the faith to even listen for his voice. And then the faith to do what he says. I got to tell you, we had an incredible illustration of faith just this morning when we talked about finances. You know why the Bible talks so much about finances? Because it's near and dear to our heart. I've told you before, the way to a man's heart is not through his stomach, it is through his wallet. And that goes for women too. It's true and we all know it. But do you understand that there's something very deep in that? You see how much the Bible talks about money? You're like, why does it talk so much about money? Because we talk so much about money. We think so much about money. You know why? Because it's how we meet our needs. And as such, it is very deep and personal. It really is. It's how we meet our needs. And that is very close to our heart. This is, this is one of the things that the Bible talks so much about money because it's an incredible tutor to teach us about faith. The principle that I alluded to when, when I talked about finances a little bit ago is a classic example. When you say the Bible talks about this issue called the tithe, this proportionate giving that the Scripture gives, and the whole idea behind it is God promises, if you'll take the first 10% and dedicate that to His kingdom and His work, He will multiply you, He will multiply the remaining 90% more so that you are blessed more, you prosper more, you live better off the 90% than you could do off the 100. And here's the, here's the reason it's such a big thing of faith, because we're kind of good at math. I mean, it's just math. We all know that 90% is less than 100%. Now, if that's news to any of you, I'm glad it was able to enlighten you, but I doubt it was. See, that's where real faith comes in, to actually say, he promised that if we would be generous, and if we would tithe, he would open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing we can't contain it. Do you believe he can do that? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Faith, based on the book of Titus, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.